Before we get into my chat with the fabulous singer, songwriter, electronic rock sitarist, composer, and producer known as Bishy, it's time for you to go right and review this show right now. Of course, the five-star review is the most sophisticated option, and as you know, you're a sophisticated listener. And once you're done doing that, why don't you head on over to patreon.com slash craigandfriends and check out the reward tier options, which have been refreshed. Be a pal, be a friend, be a friend with benefits, or much more. There's a few other options, but you know, you should check those out with your own eyes at patreon.com slash craigandfriends. For as little as a dollar a month, you get ad-free, uncut, and early editions of these very episodes, and for a few dollars more, well, you get a whole lot more. Solo episodes similar to the lockdown episodes of your, however, they won't be the same kind of grim topic fixation as it was then. Of course, we're going to be going over the news, music picks, movie picks, etc., as well as freeform chats with Ada and other friends. Plus, you can get in on the movie clubs before they hit tape. Some movie clubs coming up, one discussed in this episode, Crimes of Passion, the Ken Russell film, also Videodrome with Macy Rodman, and Looker with John Grant. There's a few more, but I don't want to reveal all the details just now. But head on over there and you'll get some trailers, some previews, things of that nature. Get on over there now and uh, get ready for fun. Stay tuned at the end of this episode to hear trailers of upcoming films to be discussed and done on Movie Club. Okay, with that taken care of, it's time to dig into my chat with the one, the only, the Bishy. Fetish, one, two, hello. Ada, <laughs> Ada Zanderton, coming to BoundCon. A BoundCon near you. Yeah, you know, it's all good. It's all good. good. And I run my headphones kind of low, too, so, yeah. Cool. Mike does not. Mike still doesn't have really? bring, doesn't have tinnitus, but like I walked into his home studio part, like the yeah. room, yeah, and he was blaring something so fucking. And and I was like, well, and I was like, I have tinnitus. He goes, oh, okay, I know. And he he dialed it to the right number. It was still very loud, like yeah. that. He used to, I guess, blow speakers up. Yeah, in mixing. Yeah, I oh, see. I I have a tiny bit of it that only occurs in the morning. Oh, good. I'm glad I'm, it's only. Yeah, I'm aware that now when I go to clubs and things, I've really got into the habit. I've I've got really good noise cancellation earbuds. Oh, good. And I just have to take them. I just I I just have to get into the habit of doing them all the time because it's just yeah. Oh, you got to protect your ears because you yeah. are a, a producer and a singer, yes. songstress, spectacular, and of course I'm speaking to Bishy. Hello. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here and thank you for waking me up today. Yeah, no, my my pleasure. I I had a pretty late night. I was at the UK Music Producers Guild Awards last night and I was like, mate, I've got really big platforms on. I've had way too much to drink. Like <laughs> I need to go home and yeah, it was one of those nights where I woke up and I ate Maltesers for breakfast. So there we go. Good for you. Good. Nutritious. Very nutritious. And, and uh, yeah, it gets you going is what you need. It Have you really seen the Maltesers does. cakes? No. Okay. Yeah. Because I like to pour over every inch of the supermarket and I'm very into all the British offerings. So... Uh, Maltesers has a whole product line of stuff. They have cakes, they have biscuits, they have the uh, Easter bunnies. Oh, I know about the Easter bunnies. Those, thankfully, you can only get for a couple weeks out of the year because they're too good. And I would have a huge amount of them and it'd be a problem. But they also have an ice cream. Oh, right. Yeah. Do you think, because sometimes 
you love the, cho- the, the, the confectionery chocolate sweet so much. And then the ice cream is like gross. I know you- what you mean. I found I actually have enjoyed the Maltesers uh, side products more than the Maltesers, which is rare, but not all of them. The cakes are too sweet. There's like a, some kind of uh, frosting in it that is way too much. Yeah. The biscuits, though. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try some Maltesers biscuits. Fantastic. And what yeah. what else are we enjoying today? Well, we haven't opened them up, but the Walker's Marmite Crisps. So uh, listeners of the show know that I, I like to take sort of uh, cuisine journeys, let's say, uh, culinary <laughs> journeys over here with yes. the snacks. And I can't help but try all the biscuits, but... Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I mean, I mean, they are good here. Oh, they're, yeah, they're uh, well good. As yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, they're well good. They're well good. Yeah. Who says well good the most? Uh, that's a good question. Ada and I now have this thing where we say well good, bruv. So. Well good, bruv. Yeah. Yeah. As a yeah. proper. Have you tried Whisper Bars? I love Whispers. Oh, they're quite good. Yeah. 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 Those are great. And. Crunchy, I'm familiar with from Canada because Canada has a lot of some English stuff, not right. a lot. Yeah. And also all the Cadbury stuff. Yes. It's great. There's also an endless amount of stuff that Cadbury makes yeah. that I didn't, I've never seen before. And I don't think I noticed the last time I was here. Um, but I'd never been to a big supermarket here before. And then going to the big Sainsbury's. Yeah. Uh, I've been to the locals. Yeah. But you don't get quite the expansive selection as you do. You can buy clothing at yes. Sainsbury's. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. No, that's Georgia Asda. I'm, I'm really showing my like flag for like flag for the people it's like oh yeah so georgia asda <laughs> it's like yeah no yeah those are those big sainsbury's are like rocking i think the massive tesco's have lots of the indian spices and their, oh, okay. their world spice selection is really really good and oh, they have wow. all of the different dolls and blah 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 um so massive tesco's are good but they have their clothing line as well like yeah. Wow. So you could you could say no, no. I buy my clothes at Tesco. I know yeah. I don't fuck with Sainsbury's yeah. jumpers. Thank you very much. I don't fuck with George Asda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's George Asda? George Asda. So Asda is another supermarket chain, oh, which yeah. I think is not a shishi. If Waitrose is the shishiest, then sure. I think Sainsbury's is next. Then Tesco's a little bit lower Wait, down. Wait, isn't M&S in between those two? Oh, very good. See, see you know the lay of the land better than me, Craig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, wait. Look, this is journalism. Okay, this yeah. is what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I think like Waitrose and M&S, like kind of the same, you know, that's, that's like Hyacinth Bouquet, <laughs> you know, keeping up appearances, like that crowd. Yeah, yeah. Georgia Asda is more like shameless. No, like... Yeah, it's 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 little and Asda and Iceland are kind of like the lower end. Oh, okay, because there's an Iceland not far from here, and I've been to Iceland. Yeah, and quite like Iceland, uh, <laughs> they have an amazing biscuit selection. There's a giant <laughs> box of what is it uh, like damaged biscuits? Oh, you know what I mean. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm gonna. Ha- I've resisted buying it because it's yeah. a large container, and yeah. I know what'll happen. I'll just start eating. and even the ones you're like I don't like those that much I won't have them and then you'll wake up one morning and the first thing I'll do is go for the biscuits which yeah. has been a little bit difficult because you do that load up on sugar yeah and then good night yeah again you should just do what I do which is to get shit faced and then eat Maltesers <laughs> for breakfast in the morning that sounds like a, a workable uh plan I think that's the the uh with the holistic approach I think yeah <laughs> but yeah. um What's your favorite supermarket? Which one, one do you go to? 
Is it Tesco? One that has food in. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, um, I think I think because I like I actually like strangely like to make different kinds of food or so things that have whatever has the right ingredients. So okay. annoying. Well, you know, like lots of the you know best ingredients actually personally for me live in Tesco's. Um, I probably do like. But there are certain ingredients that live in Waitrose for the more shishi dishes I try. <laughs> um, but also, I like health food stores like Holland and Barrett, where they'll have lots mm. of flavorings and things for vegan or more kind of, I guess, health conscious food. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think when it comes to posh desserts and stuff, the Waitrose has lots of posh desserts. Sure. Well, M&S, yeah. they have some uh, wild stuff there. Colin well. the Caterpillar. Oh, what's that? You haven't tried Colin the Caterpillar? No. Oh, all right. So Colin is this like caterpillar, this like chocolate caterpillar. And I think there was another, there was a, there was a rival supermarket that also um, started another chocolate caterpillar. And then the two Twitter accounts were like shading each other. <laughs> and the caterpillar and, and, wars. Yeah. And then it made all the papers because it's like, there's clearly like some lols, like Gen Z children, <laughs> run, like running these accounts, yeah. like having a right laugh. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the I have to say, the posh supermarkets do have incredible desserts. Yeah, they really do. And also the ready-made food overall in this yeah. country is so much better than the States because yeah. it's not full of junk. Yeah. And, uh, there's actually warnings on it like this will go bad if you don't eat it in a certain amount of time which you won't find on frozen pizza in, in the states really oh yeah you can just keep that in there for five years oh pull it out God. have a tombstone yeah that's uh <laughs> so i've been eating a lot of ready-made stuff here which is nice but you mentioned indian food and your heritage yeah. of course is indian yes mm -hmm. so are you, your parents are from india yes so my mom is from Kolkata. my dad is from darjeeling and that's the state of west bengal so it's obviously like Bangladesh, like pre in pre-colonial times, it was one country. So there in West Bengal, which is by and large Hindu, and then what was East, like, was it called East Pakistan? Like, do forgive me, I'm very hungover. That then became Bangladesh in partition. This is going to be very angry. This yeah, I know, I'm going to get some really angry comments. <laughs> but in, 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 in Bangladesh, that is, uh, the majority of that is Muslim. Hmm. Um, and there's definitely shade between the two sides, as there is, because people can never get on with, um, with uh, one another. Well, it's like the supermarket wars we were talking about. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so what's really lovely about this area is all the signs are in the Bengali that I... Well, I, my reading and writing skills are of a nine-year-old, but I'm, I'm fluent in the language. But it's really nice when you can look at the English street signs around Brick Lane in, in East London, and then you can see how they're spelt. Sure. Because it's, it's um, you know, yeah, yeah. Just from, like, just from an onomatopoeic point of view, it's really... Yeah. It, it's really satisfying to see kind of how British words are then flipped over back into Bengali. Oh, that's interesting. So that's one of the reasons that I love this area. But yeah, like all of the restaurant signs, all of the street signs, I, I know I know what it all is, which is like, I feel really accomplished. But <laughs> I've already, yeah, over lockdown, I decided to try and reteach myself the alphabet. And, you know, the teachers are shady and shady <laughs> as fuck. And they really... <laughs> They're like constantly telling you off that you're not working hard enough because that's just the like Indian way. <laughs> and after a while, it's just like, oh my God, like this woman just like, she just tells me off like every week. It's so tiring. It's like, it's like psychologically psyching myself up only just to be bollocked. And it's yeah. like, but I've actually like, I'm actually investing in a skill and trying to work really hard at it. But 
Yeah, anyway. and also you're electing to do that. Like you're not a kid in yeah. school who shouldn't be treated like that anyway. Yeah. But as an adult, actually pursuing something, you should, if not over encouragement, at least yeah. sort of a flat yeah. affect would be a nice thing to encounter with that. Well, it's very much in the way that they bring up and they educate kids. It's like nothing's good enough. It's it's tough love. It's nothing good enough. And it's what we call like first in class syndrome. So, oh, okay. so if you were like, let's say in class, you came second. It's like, well, you should have been first, you know. And even my parents who aren't really like that still suffer from, from a touch of that. They don't really, you know, I mean, my, you know, my mom is an incredible artist, you know, aging diva, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, when I tell we her... We love I, aging divas on the show. Oh, my... Oh. Someone say that it's hosted by one. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello. No wonder we get on so well. But yeah, when my mom asks me when I tell her about a gig, she'll be like... How many songs are you singing? What? How long is the stage time? And she doesn't get that it is a thing to be asked or invited in the first place. And, right. and it's really disproportionate, especially in shows where maybe I'll do one or two numbers, yeah. but it's me all over the like all over the marketing it's me in, in all the posters in all of the adverts i'll be using my song but it's like how many songs <laughs> and you're like mom i want you to get the premise of this yeah i really need you to get, get the premise because you're not going to get the punchline otherwise yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll be like oh i'm on stage for 25 minutes she'll go oh <laughs> oh <laughs> it's just like whatever she's been taught it's like well you know well i mean she's really proud she just doesn't know how to process a lot of the information yeah well you know? parents and questions about showbiz things i will say are kind of yeah. interesting because they'll ask some questions and you're like that's an interesting in, in a way you want to say that's an interesting way of thinking about it but you also have to d disentangle your own yeah. emotions yeah. from that which is not probably what happens when you talk to parents no 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 it's a real skill to be like they're just doing they're just making sense of it like it's, yeah it's amazing when i hear them on the phone to their friends talking in bengali like how how they explain what i'm doing and everything is really sweet and like everyone's really sweet yeah. about it but it's insane you know that <laughs> they'll they'll get certain words wrong and certain facts wrong and then it just it's like chinese whispers but it's their truth yes so exactly like, fine it's it's their truth like great you know like i um i hosted a radio documentary about future technologies and, and its impact on music production so we had people like holly herndon we were talking about ai we were talking about all kinds of, you know, Roly, the, the Roly Seaboard, like mm -hmm. really, really like interesting things within the development of music production. I literally heard my mum, and this was on Boxing Day on, on the 26th, to, to the US listeners, there is a day <laughs> after Christmas called Boxing Days, which is like when all the Victorian people would put their boxes out onto the streets for the paupers or like whatever. It's like yeah. quite depressing. But Boxing Day is when you sit around and you eat Marmite crisps and... <laughs> All of these sweet treats, so just to circle around. Yeah, well, and also the TV is loaded with specials and things like yeah, that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's this, this, like, disgusting sales and people, like, push each other over and try and grab TVs and shit. There's, like, all of that going on. That's in the, That happens in the States, but that uh, happens a little earlier, Black Friday, Black Friday, right after Thanksgiving. And then the yeah. um, onslaught of retail returns yeah. begins on the 26th. So right. it's a different sort of tradition over there. Oh, lovely. So, <laughs> so this BBC Radio 4 documentary goes out and my mum was literally on the phone on WhatsApp to Calcutta 
saying like, quick, quick, you will have to tune in to Radio 4 now because she's going to be on the radio now. And it went silent as my aunt was probably like, oh, great, what's the documentary about? Yeah. And she went, I don't know. I don't know what the hell she's on about half the time. <laughs> it's really good because she's on Radio 4. And I heard her and I was like, mom, you just said that. And she said, no, I didn't. I'm like, you literally, <laughs> you literally said that. You literally said that. I mean, I love the fact that they're like, oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we're really happy. Yeah. I, I think I prefer that than I've been around to friends' houses where they have really hip, over-involved parents. Uh, oh, over-involved is never good. Yeah, who start asking these, like, slightly strange, slightly competitive questions. Mm-hmm. Whereas my parents, I don't know how much they understand any of it, but they're just happy. <laughs> yeah, all you, want, all you need them to understand is that you're doing what you want to do and they're happy about it yeah which is thrilling i have that with my folks too yeah. uh some shows i go don't listen to this episode yeah all right yeah i just uh, I, I remember initially telling my mom you're not really allowed to listen to the show unless i send you certain episodes yeah. <laughs> and she's like i understand dear because uh, we used to listen to howard stern together oh my god yeah. okay king shock shock oh yeah yeah and i know british folks don't know as much of his stuff as americans do and maybe have only seen the tv version which is not as good yeah uh, or people some people here only know him from America's Got Talent, which is an unfortunate thing. But Yeah, so I don't watch that TV show. I know him mostly through... Really, a, a musician who yeah. writes their own stuff, doesn't love to watch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Shock horror. No, I, I know Howard Stern just through following so many bands and musicians and people that I love. And yeah. I must say that there's definitely stuff that doesn't really sit with me right. Sure. But I understand that... He's an institution and I, because I get on really well with a lot of very difficult personalities, I feel like that kind of a difficult slash strong particular personality would probably respect me because I can really hold my own. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the key things I love about the show, of the Stern show, yeah. I don't listen as much anymore, but uh, for many, many years, I listened to every show every day and then went back to old shows, that, you know, on the internet finding ones that, yeah. that were, were before when I had access to it in Boston is that he kind of invented the podcast but, yeah. and he broke so many boundaries with yeah. uh, even belching on air or a certain language or certain topics talking yeah. about certain sexual things or yeah. talking about being constipated, whatever it is, he started it. He did it all yeah. first really, or like the extended long chat, yeah. which is funny because he has a buck up his ass about podcasts. He, really? Yeah, he thinks it's like, he doesn't think they're valid, which is sad because it's yeah. the sign that's like, um, Get off my lawn. Yeah, you know? yeah, It makes yeah, no yeah. sense at of all. Course. He's the godfather of it. Whereas I feel like Ira Glass, I heard an interview with him and he was really gracious about the whole thing, how so much of his tonality and how he asks questions mm. and how he does things. And I think he's like, oh, great. There's more of it. Great. You know, <laughs> so I That's think, the, yeah. yeah. But you've mentioned uh, some difficult personalities. How do you manage working with difficult personalities? I'm not asking you to name names. We can do that yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that off air, babes. Um, you know, I'm ultimately really attracted to talent. So people who are really talented, ridiculously intelligent and very funny. That's a real concoction. That's that's very hypnotic. I find it very seductive. Yeah. I think that in getting to know myself better, it's more just patterns in behavior. And when I start to see certain manipulative traits, I don't actually mind people being difficult. I don't mind them being high maintenance. Um, I think self-awareness is great. Mm. And people who have done a little bit of work on themselves and learned to ground themselves, um, 
you know, that like, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm really attracted to. I'm, I'm really attracted to young people who are worldly and worldly people who have youthful energy about mm. them. Um, that's such a great description. Yeah. I think I'm, uh, that sums my interests up yes. as well. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I know from the all the other um, episodes of yours that I've listened to. And I think that a bit of self-awareness, um, it can go a long way. So I think... I think like most things, like like most difficulties and things that I've been through, the more that I learn about myself, the more I try and drill into like, what do I actually think is going on here? <laughs> right. Because there's um, always a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In any given um, operation or yeah. uh, relationship. I think so. And with most people, you just want them to know, listen, I hear you and I see you. And if something is going on or is there some kind of neurosis or some kind of tick or anxiety or worry, yeah. it's cool. We can just talk about it. And when you can talk about it, you remove those tiny stones that mm. can, you know, go down the mountain and then become a rock and then you're being hit by a rock. Right. You know, if you try and detect things early, which sometimes it's really difficult. Um, and also like, being a big personality, you know, I'm hyper femme presenting. Um, obviously, there are a lot of issues in this country about class, you know. So people come with this idea of who and what they think I am. And there uh -huh. again, it's 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 led to some really, really, I mean, it's, it's, it's led to great difficulty in my life. But in knowing that I understand that they just, they're projecting onto me and in neutralizing that, it just becomes... It becomes a lot easier. Like uh, so, I've been at a uh, music conference all week. All week, um, it's uh, uh, an EU program called Key Change, mm -hmm. and it's there to address um, uh, the gender imbalance of women and gender minorities within the music industry. Mm. I was talking to a really well-established uh, music manager from Ireland, and we were talking about a young artist she's working with about that fine balance between being very articulate and knowing what you want and not going in with a combative energy. Right. Because it is by and large male behind the scenes in, in live music or whatever. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you'll be dealing with language barriers. You'll be dealing with cultural barriers. And if you just go in there, like on the attack, it's not really going to work. You know, you, mm -hmm. you have to, you know, and because you, you shouldn't apologize for who you are. But if you go in carrying a certain kind of damage, you're equally not going to help yourself. And I was saying to her, yeah, it takes a really long time to just like know thyself and mm. to just try and be as articulate as you can so that when you're in situ, there really isn't a problem. Like there are always going to be bad eggs and there are always oh, yeah. going to be people with like bad attitude and blah. And there's really nothing you can do about that. It's almost reassuring how much you can count on that. Totally, totally. <laughs> oh my God, totally. But the more centered and the more articulate from the get-go that you can be, um, I think the more of a pleasant exchange job, whatever you want to call it, it yeah. results in. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I've had a lifetime of <laughs> a lifetime of difficult and also there's there's you know, there's a lot of bipolar stuff in my family. Okay. So yeah. I've learned that when it gets heated, if you, you know, don't meet them at that level, just try and calm things down. It's kind of a superpower. That. Oh, yeah. I've had a lifetime to learn. <laughs> <laughs> and it like, probably wasn't as easy uh, when, before you learned. No. Right. But th I'm sure that... It's been 
It's okay. been it's been awful. <laughs> it's been awful. Yeah. <laughs> well, because really we were talking at dinner the other night about that thing about certain personalities loving from a distance uh, at one extreme, and then in the middle, which is something that I think you're talking about now, that yeah. when you have to engage with certain personalities, yeah, uh, and ones that you're fond of as well, but yeah. there's just difficulties, and yeah. uh, there's a lot to unpack. And actually, what you just said that uh, so I think. Um, the greatest thing that uh, about that is uh, removing the personal feeling yeah. from it, which is difficult to do. Yeah. Around when would you say that you were able to start to develop that or maybe recognize that it was key to success both, you know, in our personal lives and business? Yeah, I think I think 30 is the magic number that, <laughs> that things begin to shift. And it's so beautiful because you're like, oh, cool, like everyone's really struggling cool everyone's having a really complicated time that's a key Great. thing i think to recognize once yeah. you realize that everyone is struggling or everyone has something going on yeah uh whether it's like you know a uh, mental illness or yeah. neuroses or yeah. some kind of ingrained problem yeah when you realize everyone's got something it's more of a matter of recognizing what's their thing yeah because i kind of know what my thing is let's find out what theirs is yeah. and then find out where the two can sort of uh, coexist yeah yeah and I've also thought a lot about the subconscious of society. And we were talking about this at dinner the other day when we were talking about, you know, club kids and famous people from the 80s mm. and, and 90s and how they've got this fantastic cantankerousness about them. <laughs> yeah. But I have a theory that because they were young people in Thatcher's Britain yeah. and they didn't use the word queer then, they were alternative gay people, you know, like they were the societal equivalent of someone treading in dog shit. Yeah. And because they were treated like that, they've then internalized that and learned to communicate through that kind of a lens. And right. so that's why like meanness was really fashionable. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and even when I, you know, at the end of the 90s as a, as a teen tween, started coming out on the scene there was a lot of tough love you just can't stop rhyming this is the kind of songwriting <laughs> prowess that we're talking about here <laughs> but there was this tough love because we were still under the cloak of section 28 mm -hmm. and so a lot of us in that i guess like late millennial thing to to try and contextualize it I think a lot of us have become circuit breakers through the internet and thinking, well, we're not going to repeat that to our younger peers and our friends because it's like, well, what's the fucking point, you know? Yeah, it's it's, um, it's just like a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah. And you yeah. do understand that when people are just used to communicating like that. Yeah. It's funny. It's almost like thinking of like a grandparent or something like that yeah. in that way, because that's just the mode that they talk to. You know, some people talk about uh, parents or grandparents not being able to say I love you yeah. or something like that. It's the same kind of mechanical yeah. uh, difficulty. Yeah. yeah, 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 totally. But also maybe me and my peers are circuit breakers because we were able to be circuit breakers. Yeah. Because the circuit broke, you know, the, the, you know, the internet and social media and smartphones and Wi-Fi and whatever gave us the ability to become labels to, mm. you know, whether it's like Ada running her label or, or me running my label, you know, we, we were able, fine, you have an internet connection, brilliant, you know, you can do whatever you want. You don't even necessarily have to go through a middleman yeah. you can all congregate together in scenes and make things happen make make festivals make markets make make all of all kinds of media and all kinds of artistic expression happen on a level that wasn't 
um, possible for our older peers, mm. you know. Whereas all of my sort of Gen X music friends, um, they're all used to massive advances, massive studios, you know, everybody doing coke all the time. There's just people <laughs> being out of it all the time. And like, I've had p- people tell me that, oh, you know, I had Abbey Road, blah, 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 booked for me and I just didn't bother turning up. I'm like, fuck you, you know, you yeah. know, but but that that's whatever, you know, everything felt like a cross between a, an Irvin Welsh and a John Niven novel. Like, <laughs> it's just like people being insane everywhere. And that's yeah. just what the subconscious of that society was. And obviously the industry changed so much for all of us and mm. all the budgets got drained and... You know, and so we've had to think quite differently about how we're going to treat each other and how we're going to do things and, you know, and yeah, God, I'm like, I'm, I'm really on a tangent now. <laughs> yeah, well, really that's what I like. Uh, yeah. You've heard the show. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it, you, you really, oh yeah, I was talking about the subconscious of a society. So maybe people within a certain time frame are able to express things in a certain way because society allows them to. Yeah, definitely. So I've been thinking that a lot, like especially with a, such a social media and tech enthusiast and looking at the polarization that's been driven so much online. And mm. it's like the whole OK Boomer thing really confuses me because so many of my, you know, so many of the people that I look up to are like much older and they're so radical and they're so lovely. <laughs> And they're so like, you know, even being at the Music Producers Guild Awards last night, you know, Joan Armatrading got her award for, a, you know, a lifetime contribution to UK music. Yeah. And this is a woman who, you know, we revere Kate Bush as the genius that she is being a producer. But Joan Armatrading was also producing in exactly the same time frame. Right. And it's really interesting, like how you know i mean we should remember the both of them but why do we not remember joan armor trading mm-hmm. a little bit more you know and so i i like i look up to both of those women but i look up so much to joan armor trading as being you know a black woman a woman of color like not you know not a straight woman should like is it fair to say yeah um who's just made this prolific body of work and of course everybody in the know knows her and knows her significance but you know why do why do kids not have a flag with her face everywhere you know like women in audio audio production like women like women of color in the music industry it's become such a big topic like why does every school child like not know who joan armor trading is you know right. i don't look at her and be like a uh, boomer or whatever <laughs> i think what an, ama- what, what an amazing person she must be carrying such incredible stories or yeah. like all of the interviews that you've done with you know like mike and maddie like like mike chapman like how how amazing like i was on a date right and i'd started listening to half of the podcast and it was a really hot date but then i was like i just, <laughs> just want to go back to my bed and <laughs> finish oh yes finish this podcast because this it, because it is so lols you know yeah thank you that really <laughs> means a lot and, and i couldn't agree with you more about the generational uh, shade and how uh, d- uncomfortable I find that and how destructive I find that. Yeah. I did think it was great when the millennials started to get all um, upset about the Gen Z's goofing on them yeah. because I was like, well, you guys are the ones who started this fucking okay boomer thing, which made people feel inhibited to even be themselves. Yeah. And also what it's not about people from different eras or their age. It's about if are people shit or are they not shit? Exactly. And that's it. Yeah. Right. And, and you, and the other thing I love is looking back at, we were talking about people like Ken Russell and Pete Townsend, right? Incredible 
forward thinkers, uh, yeah. brilliant uh, taboo breakers or form changers, both Russell and Townsend. Yeah. And Chapman too, like all these yeah. people, right? Yeah. And Joan Armour trading. Yeah. And it's it's like if you want to discount people because of their age, you're going to be missing out on a tremendous amount of um, incredible art um, and philosophy and everything. I'm actually going to do a T-shirt for the new uh, product line at some point, the m- new merch line, which is uh, at some at somewhere it says, "If it's too old, you're too loud." Yeah. Right, because that's how yeah. I feel. Because there's so much great stuff, and people limit themselves. Absolutely. Although I think Gen Z seems to be more interested in just combing through the uh, internet and seeing what's interesting, what's cool. Yeah, right? yeah. I think it's about how you the next stage of storytelling and how you put those stories forward. Because yeah. there were some comments um, at the award ceremony last night about how you know maybe slightly younger people in the audience didn't know who Joan Armour Trading was. And I was like, oh, but you see, but if you tell them who she is, <laughs> right. they'll love it, you know. That's the thing, yes. So, yeah, so it's in how you do, how you let people know, like, right. who or what somebody actually is. Like, once you do that, and, and actually TikTok is incredible. So yeah. I learned that Thundercat's uncle was the drummer in The Temptations. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and this, dr- and this uncle has been, is like, I, I don't know whether it's Earth, Wind & Fire, but, but he's he's got people who've been a part of the legendary kind of funk set. Oh, yeah. And you're like, so that's amazing. So the Temptations would have been the first Motown band that I would have found out about through whatever Hollywood film at the time. Um, and I loved, like, the tune, My God. I thought it was beautiful. I had, yeah. I had it on some compilation cassette. And actually, and- if you saw that miniseries... The Temptations no. miniseries. No. Oh, okay. Uh, another upcoming guest on the show, Alan Arkish, directed it. The guy oh. did Rock and Roll High School. But anyway, I didn't know if maybe that was the oh, film amazing. you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you'd learn about like Thundercat's heritage and he's such an incredible musician. Yeah. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that I'm into. But I'm learning that from someone younger on TikTok. And that that should be the amazing circular thing where right. you teach each other. You know? Right, instead of the gatekeeping thing that people yeah. like to fall into where it's like, no, no, I'm the one. Yeah, I've got this. I know all the things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm so disinterested in that. And there's so much of it. There's so much of it all the time. Like as a big podcast fan and listening to a whole range of stuff, you know, it's like people get like, people sort of write each other off really easily mm. and you know and it's yeah like th- there's a really young orchestra that i'm in a very embryonic phase with maybe working with so i can't really say who or what but we we did trans-siberian I, orchestra the, yeah <laughs> yeah the big christmas show's coming up i'm excited i'm not saying uh, that's not official everyone that's uh, <laughs> but i i went to the young creatives day which is so much fun and we all got put onto tables for the for the for the pub quiz, which our table ended up winning. So, because they the, the, there was a whole bunch of things that I didn't know, but there was a whole th- bunch of things where I was like, "The answer is Niles Barkley." That's Whoopi Goldberg or Janet Jackson, or you know, yeah. And it was and it was great. But I kind of, you know, like I think we've mentioned that I've been listening to Tricky's autobiography on Audible, which, which is a, which hear, is yeah. which is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, yeah. So the, you know, I guess older musicians that I worshipped when I was finding out about music. So, you know, Tricky, the Specials, Terry mm. Hall. Maybe these kids don't necessarily know about those people, and 
you know, even like someone like Dizzy Rascal, like grime was so huge in in the late teens, early twenties era. Maybe they don't like they know who Stormzy is, but do they know who Dizzy Rascal is? And yeah. so I thought, yeah, I'm I'm brain thinking about doing some workshops where I introduced them. It's like, guys, I know that like Harry Styles wore the dress on. <laughs> in vogue but did you know that tricky did that in the mid 90s right with his then girlfriend who was in a suit and tricky would wear a wedding dress and makeup and was a huge star yeah a huge star and he's actively walked away from fame because he hated it so much but here is this person like He's from a really rough background. He's self-taught. Mm-hmm. He sort of says in his Bristolian draw, he's like, yeah, I don't give a fuck what Pro Tools does. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what any of it does. I just play, th- do things on the buttons and then that's fine. And, yeah. and he says openly, he's like, I'm not a genius. I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's, so it's so great hearing people like that too, who you revere talk about technical stuff that sometimes we can uh, put too much weight on yeah. being an, either an expert on or a wizard at yeah. or something. And the irreverence with which that they, they speak yeah. about it yeah. is really, um, it got, well, not groundbreaking, mind shifting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I see he's, I mean, Tricky is so incredibly unpretentious. The heart is so on the sleeve. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's like a child, like, you know, he he just is so pure in his intentions. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's totally brilliant. But yeah, I I, I love the the idea of lineage and mm, taking yeah. you know, channeling voices. That that that's a really big thing I'm into. But lineage and presenting lineage to people because it's so exciting for them. Well, it is, and you see it on TikTok with things like Zanzibar by Billy Joel popping yeah. off and being this huge sensation when i saw that i flipped that i was like this is the future because i love that song but it's like on side two of 52nd street and who the hell would have heard that unless like you're a billy joel fan yeah and but there's like 19 year old kids doing dance routines to it wow so i i thought well this is a great disruption to the way that people hear pop music yeah now and then you see the other side of it where people say that pop acts are forced to make viral tiktoks and i don't know Halsey put out a TikTok saying that she was supposed to be making a viral TikTok. Yeah. And then Ada and I were discussing, is this the viral TikTok that she's supposed to be making? Because it's getting attention. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there was a whole vibe. That, that, there was a whole story that the brilliant contemporary pop musician called Self Esteem, mm-hmm. Rebecca Lucy Taylor, she wrote an article in The Guardian. And I can understand why people can cynically can cynically say oh maybe this is just marketing but you know florence posted that video weeks ago and it's just her rolling her eyes and literally in the comments saying my label are begging me for low-grade tiktoks so here it is so i don't think it's some carefully orchestrated thing yeah you know the amount of workshops and things and industry events I go to and it's all about blowing up on TikTok and people being told that you have to post three to five times a day and it's musicians are not influencers and there's a great video on Vox.com I love the Vox News Mm. Network but on Vox.com about why music industry people are so obsessed with people going viral on TikTok. And it's to do with, if you do go viral on TikTok, the check that is Spotify then hands the label. Oh, okay. And so the label give that as an advance to the artist, but of course they take 
50 to 80 percent of that check back so yeah. so that effectively the label makes a whole bunch of money back and then the artist is indebted to having to repay themselves out of that hole mm-hmm. so it's really cruel and weird and i you know i like tiktok i understand the relevance of it um and um i i will you know i find the three to five times a day thing like i just you know i've got other shit to do quite, well, quite like frankly. you said musicians aren't influencers or rather they are but through their music yeah. and the art and there used to be marketing departments that yeah. would handle all of that stuff for yeah. marketing uh, an artist now it seems like too many uh, assignments are being handed yeah. to the artist and i think yeah. also the problem is that tiktok is great but then the commodification of it for a very specific purpose yeah. is what kind of kills things like that yeah. or makes them less attractive because what i like about it is you see uh voices that you wouldn't have heard otherwise yeah, yeah. but n- it's in a funny period right now where yeah. it could go the way of mtv circa 1990 you know whereas yeah. mtv when it first came out was exciting but of course there was a barrier to entry because you needed yeah. to have a video budget which was very substantial back then but then lots of weird stuff like duran duran became popular in america yes. Because of MTV, yeah. whereas a quote like a faggy looking band basically, yeah. would, you well, know, they're it, so pretty. Uh, they're so pretty. Yeah, <laughs> so pretty. But like Japan didn't do well over yeah. there, do you know. And uh, maybe if they had a video on at the same time, because if you look they at they have like, a video for Ghosts, don't they? But, but MTV didn't like play right. it. That's all. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but like they were big in England. But of course, yeah. England's more fond of the more feminine looking uh, men bands. But that's why, like, glam rock well, didn't hit in yes. the states. Like, T Rex oh. barely made a dent, even. So, I mean, Bang a oh. Gong is a big hit, but yeah. that's it. Like, Telegram Sam was never really played heavily on the radio right. over there. Anything Fay or feminine outside yeah. of David Bowie, because Bowie is yeah. sort of the exception to everything. Yes, yes, uh, but, yes quite. But uh, because of MTV, Duran Duran was catching on in like Des Moines, Iowa, and yeah. all of that. Yeah. But then, of course, shortly after that, then it became you had to be on MTV. Yeah. And you had to sort of gear it towards whatever yeah. was popular on there. So it, that's what it seems like TikTok's going to. I get the feeling also that with Duran Duran, they're very nice people. I've been introduced yeah. to them a couple of times and they are gentlemen. And they're they're also very down to earth and they're really nice. And I think they were slightly, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they were slightly, uh, I, I think... Uh, Japan had disbanded pretty early on oh, in the sure. 80s. And I don't mean to get this into a Japan versus no, no, Duran no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, 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 I just no, didn't no, want no. it, you know, because yeah, yeah, that's yeah, often yeah. a thing. People are like, have you seen the album covers? He looks like him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, um, and I didn't mean to uh, foreshorten what you were saying. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, like not at all. I'm, I I think Duran Duran actually just had, like, bigger budgets, and I think they were mm. more into playing the pop game, whereas I think that Japan, like, had broken up and David Sylvian had gone into his working with Damo Suzuki from Cannes. Yeah, oh, phase. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I was uh, more using them as an example of, yes. like... Who knows what could have happened? Well, yeah. also they they were at the peak of their success, and they were like, "Well, we're we're done." Yeah, which yeah. that that yeah. kind of hurts a pop career. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like Gary Newman retiring at twenty one, yeah. and then yeah. he struggled a bit in the eighties, started yes. his own label, yeah, and got into a whole bunch of problems because that's a big undertaking, yeah. signing a yes. bunch of bands and all of that stuff. Because that's a funny thing too, where artists um, expand yeah. too quickly, yeah, and sign a bunch of people, yeah, to their yeah. own label. I mean, we've seen it a number of times, yeah. It's kind of interesting because with like uh, Duran Duran and Gary Newman and Depeche Mode, these like massive bands, um, 
you know, the English press were always really snobby because yeah. it's like they just got too big in America. It's like there was almost this rule where if a synth band just got too big in America, that was like, they were just like, you know, it's fine because like they love the Smiths and New Order and it's like this like home territory thing. They're like slightly not as good looking, not as camera proof. Like, oh, right. You know, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 like, actually, that like that has hung around, that, that, that kind of attitude of like, if you're too good looking, if you're too pretty and you make it too big in America, it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like taken whatever acts to like, I don't know, do a leap or whatever. So just, you know, it, yeah. that, that was the vibe for a long time. It's like if you'd gone over to America and made it big, it meant that you were kind of naff, you know. Right. And yeah. you somehow sold out. Yeah. As well. I noticed there's a still a big thing about whether a band has been in, in America, even on yeah. Eurovision, they yeah. had Maniskin on. And yeah. in the intro, Graham Norton goes, and they've worked in America. Like, yeah. it's almost like, well, that's, they're real. Yeah. It's this weird dual thing where like, if you've done something in America, yeah. it's a big deal, but you yeah. don't want to do too well. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. what it seems like. Yeah. Well, because I like most of the British musicians and composers and producers that I know, we all love working in America because we're all massive grafters <laughs> and the States love a grafter. You yeah. Know, and also really... the States, uh, at least my understanding in the seventies, it was like if a band cracked it in the States, yeah. the financial yeah. uh, benefits of that yeah. were like, I don't know what exponential compared yeah. to being huge in Germany. Yeah. 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 Of course. Of course. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, always, I, I think, I think throughout the 21st century with like gorillas exploding there, you know, is it that the, the, the relationship with breaking, people in the usa it, it tends to be i'll 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 make a massive generalization here but i think that's quite a lot to say that the more of an obsessive muso you are and the more that that shows in your music and your production mm -hmm. um people in the states love that if you're too and and also like there's you know mentioning no names but there are some very like <laughs> famous pop stars and acts in this country and it's like, dude, you just don't know how to sing properly. You're, you're not, you're not like, like one thing I love about the States, there's no fucking around. Like <laughs> you have to sing, you have to play, yeah. you have to perform, yeah. you have to be doing your best, wearing your best, like choreographing your best. You, ha you It has to be a certain standard. If it's not, then fuck off as it should be, yeah. you know, whereas I think in the UK, people can coast along with this like, oh, yeah, it's a bit rubbish, you know, like, <laughs> you, know you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we love rubbish because it's a bit real or something. Yeah, like, and I, I'm not a nerd. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to be that, like, uh, studious. Yes, yes. Or showing enthusiasm or being studious, like, it's really frowned upon. I, I think it's bound up in old class stuff. It's like, um, oh, you're, oh, you're trying a bit or whatever. Yeah. So the people I know who are really like that, they love going over there because you can actually talk without having the piss constantly taken out of you. You know, or this constant, constantly people going, mm, mm, tall, tall, tall poppy syndrome. You know, you are actually allowed to be, <laughs> you're actually allowed to be articulate and mm -hmm. say like, this is what I'm thinking. This is where I'm at. And that's appreciated on a level that it just isn't here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> an, another rant. <laughs> yeah, no, but I love that. <laughs> and and uh, to that point, T-Rex also kind of, torpedo themselves or himself because he did a bunch of gigs at like Carnegie Hall very yeah. big showcase gigs like yeah. that could have turned out the way that Elton John's Troubadour yeah. show turned out but yeah. he was fucked up yeah and fell down 
And apparently Paul Simon was there and was quoted as saying, like, this is bullshit. And he yeah. left. So, you know, when people do that, like, but the suite, the suite opened for Bob Seger and they were, the singer was way too drunk all the time. Yeah. So the label's like, yeah, we're not putting any more money into this. Yeah. So. Boy, Larry Brits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of say, I loved Mike Chapman's impersonations of the suite. <laughs> That's greatest. so good. So good. And, 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 and I can really imagine them being like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, don't tell us how to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like, oh, so how you us. fucking imagine it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, like, it just, it felt so spinal tap. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I want to see that sweet movie. Yeah, 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 for sure. Quite a story. So let's get back to you and your music and origin story. Great. So... I was classically trained as a child. I was classically trained in the piano. Uh, I was also classically trained in Eastern and Western classical voice. Uh, my mum is a really esteemed, revered, contemporary classical singer. She's an expert on the music of a poet called Tagore, who wrote a canon of over 3,000 songs. And so I was very lucky at that. I went to a lot of classical gigs when I was young and... The whole thing was very modest also to contextualise it because my parents were a part of the Indian immigrant generation who were only allowed to bring three pounds in their pocket. Wow. So I have this very modest understanding of how things get done. It's just that the talent that I was around was exceptional. So when people hear your mother's a singer, she was also, um, she was offered to be Miss India. She, she she was a model in the late 60s in India. And so when people are like, oh, you've got this model classical mu- classical musician mother, they, they, they have a very like, almost like Blairite reading mm-hmm. because in the 90s, the fusion of uh, music and celebrity, it became inseparable. But that wasn't it. So, so that's a bit of background. Um, so I. They weren't my, having dinners with Tony Hadley and things like that. Yeah. No, 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 no. Even though, like, really weirdly, like, my parents felt like my mum was very much like, well, if my husband didn't introduce me to people, then I can't be friends with people. So there's very, very, like, old school thinking. But you know, people around, people in those showbiz circles. Yeah. Because mom is so stunning and so fabulous. You could sense they really liked her, like they wanted her in there. But she's, you know, she is very, they're very forward thinking in many ways, but mm-hmm. they're very conservative in many ways. Um, So I started teaching myself the bass when I was 12, 13. And then my boyfriend at the time wrote a fan letter to a radical performance art band called Minty was founded by the late, great Lee Bowery. Lee Bowery had passed away and they had continued as a band and they were touring with Pulp, who were my favourite band at the time. So literally there's a documentary about Pulp called No Sleep Till Sheffield and Minty were the freaks supporting them. And it was like, oh my God, literally you see the freaks on the telly and then you go and join the circus. Yeah. So I ended up becoming adopted by Matthew from Minty, Matthew Grimoire. And from there, we developed club projects in my teens. Um, you know, with these these club nights where, you know, we put on Gareth Pugh's first ever fashion mm-hmm. show. You know, uh, Lady Gaga stylist Nicola Formichetti was there week in, week out. You know, you'd get the squat kids, whatever. Uh, but then the white stripes might turn up. A pre-Beehive Amy Winehouse mm. um, hung out there. And at that time, I was um, accepted into the Ravi Shankar um, sort of 
tutelage under my guru was a guy called Gaurav Mozumdar, who's a senior disciple of Ravi Shankar's. So I was doing that. I was at art college, you know, I, I, you know, I was sang in a Bulgarian women's choir. I was really kind of finding my feet, doing early pro, early music production stuff on Logic. Yeah. Um, and so, um, and then Matthew and I really, the first two albums we really developed really as a, almost like a golf rap duo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that time, being a self-released artist and being around alternative gay and queer spaces was so not respected (laughs) right like you know i got uh i got invited by emily evis to open the park stage which was a really big deal Mm -hmm. um and trust me the 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 straight edge you know there again no bands no names mentioned but (laughs) Afterwards, you tell me afterwards. Yo, oh my God, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to be queer or gay or alternative, yeah. to be like a fashion-y, couture-looking woman, you know, I had more of that, you know, Instagram body that, you know, I, I was skinnier then. Not that I'm not happy now, but I had this, the, the sort of Instagram body that everyone is obsessed with now. I sort of had that then when it was like not a thing, when it was all about like Kate Moss or like whatever. And as lovely as Kate Moss is, there's no shade against sure, that. Sure, sure. But to be that, to be a couture looking, sort of slim, curvy a woman around a bunch of freaky gays, like you, it was not respected. Yeah. It was seen as vanity to have your own label and like you're kind of a loser. And, you know, and I almost had this like pop star moment where I got invited onto Friday night with Jonathan Ross as a technically an unsigned act. And I was thinking about this the other day, it like everything went crazy overnight. I, you know, we couldn't cope with everything. But but back in those days, it was just before there was no Twitter, no mm. Instagram. I couldn't afford a smartphone. Right. Um, so it was just that that tail end of MySpace, early bit of Facebook. You couldn't even integrate an iTunes button onto your website. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was this huge moment happened and, th- and there was no way to be able to make content, even though I fucking hate that word. <sighs> Let's say capitalize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like no way to really steer that ship. And it was really difficult and so yeah and you know matthew's a very big personality i i think that he has many talents i think he always wanted to be a pop star Mm. i can't believe i'm saying all of this on the podcast but never mind (laughs) yeah dot 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 should we say yeah someone someone you know a lot of very brilliant people who you know were trodden on because they were gay or queer or very alternative Mm -hmm. Obviously, that generation don't use the word queer was more the word like that would be used when they were like beaten up on mass. Yeah, usually Um, in the like you fucking queer something like that. Exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, like mid to late two thousands, being you know a young kachuri gazy thing. No, (laughs) no, and people people were not here for it. It was really the style of conversation, the quality of conversation, the general shadiness, the toxicity. I would not wish it on anybody. Yeah, so it was know? a very straight-leaning, uh, orthodox, friendly, almost seemingly um, corporate-slash-label-worshipping mm. culture yeah. at yeah. the time. Yeah, and anybody who is gay or lesbian or bi, it's going to be bad for you. 
Whereas now it's almost like a marketing tool now, you know. Have you thought about being gay? Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, if you're like not non-binary and vegan, then what the fuck are you? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was really like, you know, you, you know, you kept that down and... You know, I toured a lot. You know, my my best friend at the time was a really talented musician, Patrick Wolf, and you know, it was all about playing it down and playing your gayness down. I mean, sure. his 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 manager at the time just was a big personality, and 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 actually, he was saying this in a really encouraging way. He was like, "You don't understand, Bish. You're a ma- you're a big personality. Like you walk in a room and you're all there, and it's like." You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, we drove him crazy, like back to the Maltese, like chucking Maltesers at each other in the back of a tour van and like really making him, you know, we, we, we definitely really made the manager laugh, but because he knew he, he understands big personalities, but yeah, that, you know, and also the terminology around me was like, you know, we can't sell her to white people you know, Asian people being like, she's not Asian enough for us. Mm-hmm. And actually that's a kind of a cul-de-sac that I've more or less just grown from project to project to project. And so now I have this really massive body of work. Yeah. So I look back at all of that and I think, you know, actually am I kind of lucky I've just been able to develop in my own way. And now I'm being seen in the way that um, not only that, you know, deeply touches me, but I'm actually ready to receive what that means. And I'm ready to actually help articulate where I think the work needs to be done. So mm-hmm. I'm making strides into the orchestral field and I'm looking at data and it will be like 17,000 pieces performed around the world or whatever. Um, I've got the stats on my phone, I'll show you. But, you know, the the number of black and Asian female composers who have been um, performed in concert halls, it's 1.1%. So whilst there's great conversations and great strides being made, um, you know, the reality is like utterly shit. And that's not because people aren't trying. Yeah. And because I have that experience and I have that nuance and I've worked with certain people and I've worked with certain like A-list people and I understand how to hold my own and I've seen this change, I can really articulate in a certain way where I'm not like you fucking wankers, blah, 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 <laughs> which can be can be really effective. But I don't think it's really befitting of someone who's had my, uh, I guess, achievements or who's had my experience. But it's also seductive too. some people yeah. go into that comfortable corner yeah. of you fuckers. You didn't pay attention to me or you're not giving me what I deserve and all yeah. that. Whereas you have a much better uh, outlook on yeah, things. I because you, so. you, well, because I think gratitude is important. Yeah. Right. And yeah. when you, you have to balance it, because we were talking about someone the other night who had a lot of things afforded to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. and <laughs> every door opened with a, a guide and a map and yeah. uh, catering yeah. with it. And they fucked it up. And limousine babes. Oh, I forgot. Exactly. <laughs> Lest we forget. And limousine. And has a bit of that attitude of like, I was hard done by, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, like, no, that's never good because, you know, there are so many people in the world that will never even get close to that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just even some of my cousins in India, like there's levels of difficulty that are like, oh, my God, you know. And I know that, you know, I've got an amazing dad. I know he supports a lot of 
a lot of the cousins and 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 happily not with any sense of like well I am owed from this you know he totally is is present and you walk into certain situations and you just think Christ like you know I think a commute through London is hard like <laughs> a commute through Calcutta where there's like no pavement you know yeah. it's it's like it's a traffic jam and then like a puddle where there might be some shacks you know yeah. and my little cousins have to commute in that you know right you know and so i think it's good to remember you know because yeah i mean you know i scroll through instagram and i can get really sulky for, it doesn't it can make you really sulky sure like, well i wasn't there and then the, and i then was the, doing that or yeah, you know, yeah which is a legitimate thing it can yeah, yeah that's the yeah. trouble when th- there is a real if not beef there's yeah. a real feeling and it's a legitimate feeling and valid but then it's what you do with it afterwards. Yeah. You know, you can also, you can spend the 10 minutes or whatever and being that and be like, well, okay, this is not the most productive thing for me. But that's a, yeah. a superpower in and of itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's something you have to really learn. Like, you know, I just, just like, hang on, I'm not like a sulky person. So why am I sulking up there? It's like... <laughs> it's the magic of Instagram sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, we're all just like giant toddlers. You all need a nap yeah. <laughs> or a glass of water. <laughs> Or a glass of water or a snack. Yeah, that's very true. Fine. Yeah. And then we're fine. You know. Um but yeah, it's it's really important to understand that you know, also my own life, you know, I talk about the right hook of life. And so and it with without any rhyme or reason, the right hook of life just comes, yeah. you know. And it doesn't matter, you know, how many gratitude novels, <laughs> I mean, no, no, yeah, how, how many gratitude diaries and, you know. Inspirational memes. Yeah, inspirational memes, like how much yoga you did that morning. It's like, it's fine. Just like the right, the the unpredictability of life and what happens. And I've had that like, you know, served to me so much, you know, like yeah. I was telling someone last night, like yonks ago, I was in a girl band with MIA, like very early on. Mm-hmm. And Justine Freeshman from Elastica, who's possibly my first ever lesbian crushes. It's a good um, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> if you're going to pick, like, who's it going to be? That's oh my god. Kids out yeah. there, if you want to have one, go look up Justine Frischman. Oh, you're not yeah, 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 yeah. Like, early Elastica. Yes, ma'am. Um, so I ended up hanging up in, like, what would have been Britpop Towers. It's just, like, <laughs> me, Maya, Justine, like, Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream asleep on the couch, you know. Um, <laughs> someone making us, like, Luella Bartley appearing and then some chicken soup being there, you know. That whole vibe. And, um, you know, Justine went to the press and she went to the melody maker that was still in print then and said, you know, I'm working with this great band with this, you know, Maya and Bishy. And, and then it didn't happen, not out of any malice. It's just they clearly like, you know, I, I, I heard all of those MC505 songs that then went on to, you know, that, that incredible album with Galang and, and Sun Showers. Mm-hmm. Um, every that was so in its infancy that you know they'd obviously you know it, to be fair I don't really know uh, what if I would have gelled particularly well like even looking at the whole outcome of of that album uh-huh. I don't know how you know and 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 I was so young at the time um, I don't really know of what service I could have been to that vision and I think you know I'm not going to lie like for years I was like fuck she's this massive rapper and you know I'm running a label from my bedroom and everything is so hard and I have these really complicated situations and things going on in my life and and now I'm like oh no cool I just you know I found myself and 
you know, I've or or, or I've 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 understood something deep within myself, and mm. it keeps developing and giving. And she's on her path, and I'm on my path, and I'm really happy that I got to that stage because, you know, I I, I think for a long time because I had that near pop star moment, I was I was really treated in clubs like I was a massive failure. And you're like, I was oh. 25 years old. How can you t- how can you say to a 25 year old you're a failure? Like, right. what the fuck is that fucked up shit? It's you know? really fucked up because it's almost like saying, ah, you had the nerve to try it, and you're still working on stuff, and that's pathetic. Yeah, which is really I mean, none of that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Now you can look back and see that, but I think that's that tricky bit of life, right? Especially in your 20s, where really tricky. Yeah, because this is the path you'd want to be on now. Right. Absolutely. And the only way to get there, if, if that had happened, that wouldn't be yeah. here. Yeah. It would be somewhere else, maybe nice, but yeah. this is also yeah. very nice. Yeah. And just years and years of like, what the fuck are you doing? What are you doing with this technology? I don't understand this. I don't understand how to sell this. I don't understand how to position. The conversation catches up and all of a sudden I'm being spoken to and with the kind of respect that I kind of always deserved, you know, yeah. but I'm actually like able to receive it in a way where... I have a much deeper sense of contentment, a much deeper sense of purpose, a much deeper sense of everything. And like, I know what I'm doing. And, you know, maybe if I'd got signed by a major, you know, I, I would be doing some like job in marketing or something now. I don't, it, it, I would have got chewed up and spat out so fast and everybody would have forgotten, bar from a few people that maybe bought the vinyl or the CD. Whereas now I've just been able to grow and expand in quite a different way and see societal shifts and see you know like understand like the 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 unpredictability of the right hook of life observe the subconscious of society where maybe people are responding and acting and behaving in a way because they didn't know that they could act in another way Mm -hmm. um or they're reacting that, that you know they've internalized the negative experience that society gave for them in that time you know in that time of reference and i do also think that with things like black lives matter and me too and the like queer explosion that people are definitely making an effort <laughs> like oh, yeah like at at backstage parties at award ceremonies there's the level of behavior is uh, you know people are a lot more respectful of each other I don't know. It's because we live in a smartphone culture where everything can be filmed and careers can end so quickly yeah. out of the slightest mistake or like, I don't know. But like even that that incredible Manisha Aurora catwalk show that I'm so happy that you came to. I was so happy that I could come. Thank you for Yeah, yeah, no, no, of, of course. But like it was chilled backstage. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a model children behave, you know. <laughs> They re- which is lovely that not that they're yeah. any they are no less dull and no less interesting in, oh, fact, yeah. in fact they are absolutely they're lovely and i have to say mm. they weren't like uh, like you're old or your body is this or blah 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 they were just really it they, you know that there's a, a there's you know when you're off the internet and in real space people are fascinated with each other yeah and that's a really really wonderful quality but yeah, I've done, you know, other shows and there's like nudity and like things being taken and like <laughs> things going down and, you know, you're like, wow, the, 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 like this lot are much better behaved. Yeah. Which is for better and for worse. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's no less edge, mm. right? Yeah, I mean. No, no. I like, 
I wonder what it is for our friends who are music producers in the 70s because, you know, I've spoken to a lot of women from the 70s, from the 80s, from the 90s, and there's a lot of damage there. You know, the way they've been treated, the way they've been spoken to there's 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 definitely problems yeah um and definitely things that have been internalized and luckily the majority of them um don't act in an untoward way towards Mm -hmm. that you know younger musicians but of course there are are always a couple of bad eggs (laughs) (laughs) a couple standouts yeah (laughs) a couple a couple of knockouts yeah yeah but i'm sure you know I mean, the amount of, like, drug consumption and, and whatever, like, you know, I I love bohemianism, I love yeah. freedom and all of that, but I've also seen a lot of casualties. You yeah, know. I can imagine. Witness a loads lot. of casualties. Mm-hmm. And, well, and that's a, a classic trope, too, right? Uh, people even getting, like, say, signed by a major, yeah. and then they just, I've made it, and then they go whole hog, and then... The album doesn't do well. They they owe in advance. Yeah, and that sort of put it's kind of curtains. Yeah. for people. Oh, they're back you know? in the hog pen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're back in the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and I I think there's. I was thinking about this in LA actually, and it's the three stages of fame trauma. So stage number one is you're on the crux of some major thing happening. Yeah, you know, and then it never happens, but you're still stuck in the trauma of that. Trauma number two is when you are in the full throttle of that iconic fame, the whole paparazzi, the TV show, your record has blown up, you're shifting millions, you're streaming millions, yeah. you know, you got your Oscar, blah, 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 blah. I definitely know people who are in the full throttle of that trauma mm-hmm. where they, they they slightly, it's like they're on a tightrope mm-hmm. and they've lost their balance and they're falling free form. Sure. Um, so that's definitely trauma number two. And then trauma number three was like, I was a bass player in a Brit pop band in 1997. I made 200 grand. Where did my life go? You know, and now, and now no one gives a fuck about me. Like, where did everything go? Yeah. Yeah. And people who can transcend that, I think are doing good because they're actually, they're like, no, great. Just go back to work. You know, maybe I'm not the coolest. Maybe I didn't hit so big. Maybe I'm not the youngest. Maybe I'm not the hippest. But it doesn't matter because I've got this mixing desk or I've got this guitar in front of me or I've got this show to play. And like, that's what I want to do, you know. Right. It's like one of our, <clears throat> pardon me, one of our uh, mutual favorite artists, John Grant. Yes. Oh, my God. His I love story him. is incredible, you know. Yeah. And then to have your first album out at 40, 41. Wow. First solo album, rather. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the other, the czars, yeah. they had stuff out before, but he had given up the ghost on that and that's i always think of like the best example of that but yeah i think it's all perspective like we're talking about earlier you could close up shop or get resentful or or you could just keep doing the stuff that you like and then most of the time it turns out to be the path to some kind of fulfillment yeah absolutely absolutely and i i think like you know of course yeah i've had this uh, like underpinning structural racism thing that that is it, it's only a shadow, but it's a, an on a thing that has underpinned everything. Yeah, it's a However, significant shadow. Absolutely, but <clears throat> what I've managed to, how I've managed to steer it, is something that is like it, it is a like a gift that keeps on giving. And you know, I mentor a lot for younger artists. I speak at colleges. I, I do all kinds of different things, and I really focus people on like just just have really great relationships 
have yeah. really, really good relationships because, you know, people look at my, you know, they, they listen to the albums, but there's, you know, the way I present the videos where we're like, how did you do this? How did you do that? It's like, well, it was very no frills, but yeah. the relationship was great. And if there was a problem, if you go in with a solution and a kind of way of solving a problem, then everything is done. Whereas, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I've, you know, produced, exec produced, I'll be, I'll be dragging the tea urn, dragging the suitcases. I mean, not to master myself, it's, it's usually just because the, the resources just aren't there. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, I'm such a, like, roll your sleeves up and, and, and get the job done. And that's really how I roll. And it's like, yeah, like I, I know like, like, you know, legendary people who are like that. I think Steven Spielberg is like one of those legendary people. He's just in his beat up old car and <laughs> knows everyone and is fine on like, you know, yeah. I mean, and, and, and actually, honestly, it tends to be like the more famous you are, the more down to earth people tend to be, Right. you know, well, well certainly like certainly in, in my experience, but you know, like, I, yeah, just emphasize really good relationships on your fellow collaborators because you're all people and you want to walk away from a situation where you think, oh, that was great. I want to do that again. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. It's like that two prong approach of keeping yeah. the objective in mind, which yeah. is actually getting the work done. Yeah. Not if, if there's catering, if there's a yeah. limo and somehow like in taking away the ego yeah. part of it. And, yeah. all, and the other thing, like you said, relationships with people just it, it ser serves you as well for an yeah. energetic standpoint to be yeah. a decent person yeah. because some people get carried away and we, yeah. we see that in many uh, situations, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't really do that person well. Yeah. In addition to like, you know, burning bridges. Yeah. It's not good for you as a person. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. Oh my God. I, I'm sure we both know some right <laughs> bridge burners. We're like, girl, you're putting on the petrol. Yeah, right. And really, it's beyond just not setting fire to one bridge, it's all the bridges, you right. know? <laughs> like, oh yeah. God. And then if you, those people find themselves stuck, well, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because when there's talent and there's a pleasant person. Yeah. You could, there's a lot you can do. Yeah. Well, John's on Bella Union, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I actually met someone really interesting from Bella Union. I, actually, a, a young, I think it's, I think her pronoun is she, you know, but yeah, I, I, I met I met a young, a, a young person working at the label yeah. and, um, you know, they said that their approach to A&R, it like is that relationship building. Yeah. And if they don't like the person, they really can't be bothered because you're going to be spending a lot of time together and you have to, you know, get down with each other. And it's like, yeah, that's like, that's really cool. Yeah. Because, you know, certain other A&Rs, you know, and I've met a few in my, in my time, it's all about them and, and it's all on their clock, you know? Mm. And I think that, that must be an awful situation like that's where you get all of the toxic stories from is when all of a sudden your creativity is on somebody else's clock you know right and it's about them putting their imprint yeah on it rather than trying to uh midwife yeah a project yeah 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 yeah, yeah. for sure and and certain people like they don't really understand the the gift of the midwifing bit they're mm. they're frustrated performers and musicians and 
Yeah, I've definitely dealt with that. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, it was great, Craig. It was so much fun, babe. Yeah, you pine for those days. I, yeah. yeah. Oh my, anything to go back to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, but th- but th- but there again, it's like when we're talking about perspective and and context. It's like people are kind of living out that they're, they're stuck in their trauma and that's right yeah you know yeah. they they can't finish a project or they can't get to the finish line because that means having to let go of something and letting go of a core belief of like yes maybe you are good enough and maybe you will put something into the world and maybe it's not going to be it's never received or it's never lived out in the way that you want it to but it will form its own magnetic charge and its own magnetic field and from that, you kind of just have to learn, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to sort of make, you know, if, if you're hoping to maintain something, maintain momentum or make a, even make a career for yourself, maybe think about making another one and the practicalities of that. And, you know, and, and like another thing I think about a lot is that people act like a career is like kind of given to you. Like it's not, it's like right. these, these opportunities just like don't come out of the sky, babe. Like, and right. it's like, and it's like that national lottery advert from the nineties. Like it's you <laughs> and, and the hand comes out of the sky. Like I, I, I really like hate to burst everyone's bubble. It's really not like that, you know? Yeah. It can look like that, but that's just yeah. because you only start seeing an artist after a certain point yeah but there's a tremendous amount of hours spent and graft yeah that goes into it and continues yeah. to go into it yeah. as well yeah. yeah yeah well that's the thing is that the most successful people they just go from project to project to project because they've like worked so hard to get there and, and also like like practicalities of just like paying your mortgage or paying your rent or like yeah whatever it is like the like actual like realities of like living yeah like it doesn't uh you don't get to escape from all of this stuff you just you know it, it, the very rare exceptions to that rule like i've heard david geffen doesn't carry cash with him there's someone that does that for him but he still had to arrange that and that only came about because he's one of the most savviest or yeah. one of the savviest businessmen in, in he's from the 70s as well that's the other thing yeah when all you had was a phone book yeah <laughs> and he's tenacity the, yeah he's from the 70s is he is he did he date Cher or did I make that up? One of the few women he dated was Cher. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay, I was just checking that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it does make you think that in your mind. You're like, wait, did he date Cher? When, yeah. What? yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess he, you would make an exception for Cher no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I mean, talk about, uh, talking about aging divas, but someone who is so in on their own joke and self-aware and hilarious and her, like her, her and Dolly Parton, just like obviously two very different talents, but you know, the campus fuck in on their own joke. They look like they're having a joyful time. They look like they're embodied and happy. Um, and Dolly moves with the times in her own very unique mm-hmm. and particular way. But then Cher does as well. Just, you know, like, I mean, although this is ages ago, her tweeting through the London Olympics, that was amazing. It's her, like yeah, her tweets are incredible. Yeah. All of the typos, though. So she used to live in Wapping, East London, uh-huh. and she spelt it like hooping cough. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, everyone loves that. It's like completely getting the essence of Twitter, like this no filter. Mm-hmm. it's just gonna say what she feels you know and i like when she's commented on the all caps and typos thing she's like that's just how yeah. i tweet yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like that uh, aspect of nuttiness that is also mixed with 
uh, the sense that they still have to speak out yeah. on certain things, which Dolly and Cher both do yeah. at length. You were talking about lineage before. We were yeah. talking about lineage. And yeah. you very much keep the Indian music a tradition yeah. alive in your music. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, so in Indian classical music, the most important instrument is the voice. So you have to be able to sing ragas or you have to be able to rap like tabla beats. And that boy, the boy they're all incredible singers and, and, and rappers. And so there was, I got a lot of flack when I first sort of incorporated the sitar into my songwriting because it was like I was um it, you know like like what's the word i was making it into a gimmick i was doing this kind of, it's like i i really wasn't i was like incorporating all of the melodic lines into how i was writing and and kind of, and then moving into that more kind of choral composition area like really using those inflections back into things and and because i turned i, I, I the uh, um sitar people um the ricky ram people created something called the studio sitar which was a studio that uh, a sitar that was half the size mm. that one could practice on the road with so when i was touring um uh, it, it was sigur ross's um live engineer who taught me about these tiny akg stick on um contact mics mm. and i sort of formed the idea of this electric sitar and 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 i was it was kind of my idea i was the first one to do it yeah uh, and now they manufacture that, like, lol, like, whatever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was really shocking. It was not cool. And, like, within Indian classical music, you know, it's very male-orientated. You know, unless you are a wife or a daughter, uh -huh. it's really tricky. But even to the wives and daughters that I have befriended from that lineage, it's like people are, have been really shitty to them, you know. Yeah. The press have dragged them. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's only like it's interesting. Like in the last years, obviously, like DJ culture is massive, um, but you know, and so Peter, you know, Instagram DJ culture, EDM, like sure. all, like all of this stuff has really shifted people's mindset in a way that's really positive. Um, but yeah, it's taken a long time for people to you know, be like, no, what she's doing is really good. If, for, for such a long time, it was through the lens of like, it's a gimmick or it's this or it's that. Or, you know, I was so frowned upon. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I love the Indian culture, right? You know, but yeah, like being frowned upon and being bullied for being different, being ostracized has been a big part of my experience, yeah. you know, and it's it's great like you know i i hung out with the queers and you know and like <laughs> held on and like did my thing and developed my thing and yeah. now as things have you know the um the zeitgeist or the conversation has come to value has caught up with me and now yeah. values who i am but for years it was not like that and like really well-known people really staring down their nose mm. and it's that hyper femme sort of queer energy i've i've had loads of like homophobia and interestingly transphobia as well in the early internet forum days it was mm. always like it's disgusting look at its man oh, hands wow. look at its adam's apple and like wow. this is just like standard like people commenting at me people emailing me with this stuff yeah i mean it's fucking horrible you know yeah. how, it's do you, really... how did you deal with that and sort of uh eventually sort of diffusing it in your mind because uh, you know hate yeah. can be 
awful no matter yeah what, yeah you, you yeah know that they're no one you know or whatever no matter what how it's uh yeah i mean i mean i curled into a ball and cried and internalized it really badly um i didn't externalize it i, I didn't take it out on other people so that's like a you know a tick there yeah i really 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 struggled i really think that turning 30 was magic in terms of hang on a minute like everybody has their own stuff everybody there's all you know and and stuff i knew for a long time like every there's different kinds of beauty Mm. everybody has their own taste everybody has their own flavor and like gradually like that working on myself and really learning Mm -hmm. um like you know and when i was 30 it was a really incredible year where you know i worked with yoko ono and sean lennon i did my first fashion film with Manisha Rora and that won the equivalent of a fashion Oscar. So like an Asvoff award. It's like all of a sudden these horizons being opened up in terms of like, wow, there are, you know, I've, I've, I've understood like I'm all of a sudden I'm being seen by people I really respect and people that have really like made strides in the world and answered to the world and proper iconoclasts. Like, yeah, people that have had such tough lives and have changed the way we feel about art and music and fashion. And and here they are talk, loving me like an equal, you know, and that really changed. It It, it, it like all came together at, at once. And I think, yeah, just developing that, continuing to creatively develop, develop myself mm. and just carry on learning. And um, I'm so much happier. Yeah. Well, that's the, the, the critical shift because you can internalize that stuff. And then even past the point where you think that maybe you've overcome the pain from that kind of hate uh, yeah. from trolls, it's lingering with you. And then you say, oh, wait yeah. a second, I'm in the realm of all these people that I admire. And yeah. then being able to appreciate it as well. Yeah. It's also a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And, and more and more thinking more about societal shifts and, you know, and and there's so much like... I call it like the poison seeds that are like planted into, you know, well, women and men, but especially to young girls. It's like, you're not pretty enough. You're not hot enough. You're not sexy enough. Like the lens of your sexuality being bastardized and and being made toxic and that lens being so narrow. It's like, but the standards by which we're all being judged are like not real anyway you know yeah and it's strange when people identify and yeah. and uh co-opt yeah basically corporate patriarchal yeah. standards yeah. yeah and act as if that's their own yeah 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 and like all through my 20s you know there were boyfriends and relationships and all kinds of encounters with people who saw me and would verbally express how how this or how that they thought and it was it, it was it, it you know it's like i'm appreciatable now it's just it's just like oh god i really was loved i really was adored i really was like eroticized in the best possible way possible you know i, I, I really had all of that but i didn't understand how to really receive it you know sure well because so much stuff is so ingrained yeah and uh the received wisdom in quotes that yeah. we get about these standards or achievement levels, et yeah. cetera, can really play hell with our yeah. comprehension of our achievements personally and also our self-esteem. Yeah, yeah. And, and I totally, and I'm dealing with two sets of like cultural weirdness and <laughs> yeah. the cultural weirdness in India is like 
kind of you know and and i think it's like in, infused with a certain kind of immigrant thing of like success looking like a really particular thing mm-hmm. um and, and if you don't hit that particular thing yeah by a certain age like game over yeah and i i feel that you know now in the music industry there are all of these different stories emerging and I look back and it's just, I feel like, oh my God, I I achieved all this amazing stuff. And it's fair enough. It wasn't this, it wasn't that. That group of people didn't get it. That mass of people didn't see it. But it still happened. And I'm really happy that I've got to that place because I was plagued about it for years. You know, I felt so like, you know, I, I, I felt like sort of, I was made to feel like such a failure and I really ingrained it. And I think that's so sad. I really want like... I don't want anyone to have to feel that. Right. No, no one should feel that. No. And we're all susceptible to it because yeah. it's also something that you don't talk about. Yeah. Ever, almost, pretty yeah. much. Except yeah. for maybe a therapist. Yeah. And that is a very specific... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a very specific dynamic there. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, and it is really hard. And it's like, you know, so much more of the marketing onus is put on you know the the you know but that what is expected for bands these days they have to be marketing whizzes content whizzes they have to understand all of the back-end marketing all of the yeah. facebook adverts like and computer geniuses yeah well. yeah yeah all like all the data the metadata the data sets like they have to train their content gross word um for a fucking algorithm it's like well i didn't have to do that it was like enough to learn your instruments make your stuff you know we I, I, we didn't have to learn all of this back end and be mm. a whiz at it right otherwise like some asshole in their 30s is not going to talk to you because they're not really making an impact like Vile. fuck that yeah. bullshit you know yeah let's check the time because you said yeah fuck that bullshit craig <laughs> <laughs> and on that note uh oh wait did i not plug this in oh is my phone dead again oh yeah should i yeah thank you should i take oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know, I know. And like amazingly unexpected where it went. Yeah. But also yeah. like, you know, like like also because I feel so connected to you and we've we've done so much music chat that, yes. that, that this is like the like next level. Like, which I love. Yeah, which is yeah, great. yeah. Yeah. And I hope it's like as entertaining and like funny. Because we've told each other some lol stories. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Well, and also we'll do another one. <laughs> okay, brilliant. And we're going to do a movie club. <laughs> yeah, we are. On Crimes of Passion. <laughs> and, you know, I got the Blu-ray on the way. And it's Did got you? all this, like, um, oh, it's got a commentary track. Oh, wow. So I like to pull bits yes. like that. And, well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Amazing. And, uh, and I got into a, a wonderful rabbit hole the other night of Ken Russell interviews. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's such a camp diva, that one. She really is. And she wrote about <laughs> you once. Yes. Um, Ken Russell referred to me as being a new rave singer <laughs> after watching me perform at, at one alternative Miss World. And um, it was so hilarious. I, I love it when an older person tries to be funky and they get it wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, especially him, because there's an element of bluster yeah. to it. Like, you know, it's a new rave, new rave singer. singer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, can hear, you can hear his voice, can't you? New rave singer, fishy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think even like back then because social media hadn't quite democratized the our ability to speak to one another yeah so you're you're like well i was like well that's ken russell i couldn't possibly speak to that person and of course it's like 
you know, I'm I'm a curvy, slim, thick, chesty woman. Of course, he wants to fucking talk to me. <laughs> he wouldn't mind. Yeah, of all the yeah, people yeah. In the room, he would not mind if you came up. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. And I, you know, and I, I, I will, will definitely tell you, like, off mic that that they used to. Well, there's a joke that like. You know the uh, aging legends. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely the, the the fantasy of the aging legend, and oh, or the aging genius. And and there is like that. There's been there's been one or two aging genius or or ten <laughs> who, who have put their cards on the table, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's also like yeah. I I I I think that. It, it's not even flirtation from a go-getter thing. It's it's that natural, that natural uh, uh, sensual curiosity, uh, shall we yes. say, <laughs> of just being like, yeah, yeah. yeah like, yeah. and I, I, I think it happens amongst musicians a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing. Absolutely, uh, creative people who are in the same yeah. stream of thinking. Yeah, yeah. As well, and then there's a physical attraction on top of it. It's kind of an irresistible. Yeah, uh, package, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, 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 I can fully say that because I was always worried uh, about. Um, I, I never cap. I've actually never capitalized on that because I really wanted to do the job, and mm. I didn't want that can really compromise the job. Sure, you know, like I know some people who just don't give a fuck, and that's great. Like, like whatever works for you, but for me, it's. You know that there, there've been some that there's been some real fireworks, and I'm <laughs> like, do you know what? I just I I want to get the job done, you know, because I I sometimes it can really explode in your face. Oh sure, and I don't not want, in a fun way either. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and I just don't like. What would I prefer? I would prefer to make sure I'm on good terms with this person. Yeah, and then feel that spark maybe when you see them again at a yeah. function or something and just kind of enjoy the fact yeah. that there's a bit of a thing there. Yeah. That could have yeah. happened. It didn't necessarily need to. I think that's oh, another yeah. interesting thing too about aging yeah. is that we see like a lot of these things that yeah. maybe when we're younger, we feel like, oh, I should have jumped on that. Not it, just sexual, <laughs> but, but things about either career or this. Or okay, I, okay, I believe you, Craig. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I'm really, honestly, I'm saying not just sexual. But there is that too. You think back, like you think I, I can think back to a time where maybe I wasn't as confident in pursuing certain opportunities in that realm. Yeah. And you think, oh, what a dummy! I could have just gone and you yeah. know, uh, or like going and talk to Ken Russell. Yeah, right? we think about that stuff. But in, in now, you can see that with well perspective. But then that helps to inform the the um sense that you can go and approach anyone yeah or it informs the i could do this or i don't have to do this like yeah. with that situation the fireworks potential yes. fireworks situation you go okay that's okay there's other like i'll <laughs> i'll have another meal at some point i don't yeah. need this one i don't need everything that comes my way and i think that that's an important thing to keep yeah. in mind as well yeah for sure and also the like being scared of talking to people you know there are people who can be assholes you know I, oh I, yeah i i think there was some actress from dallas or like like one of those one of those programs and victoria principal i don't i i can't quite remember but um, whenever i speak to people i'm like you know my name is bishy lovely to meet you you yeah. know what's your name or do you know something like that and she was like well i'm blah 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 and i was like oh i 
I'm just meaning to be polite. And I mean, I did, you know, it, it's interesting. Some famous people love to be pandered to and other people just want to be like real, you know? Yeah. yeah. And if they sense that there is like a fan. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really kinda... don't like it. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And so that's, you know, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky old life, Craig. Isn't it though? <laughs> and it's been a lovely tricky episode uh, <laughs> full of shoots, ladders and uh, detours. Well, you know, it's because we get on so well, this isn't is it, true. Craig? It is. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so happy you're in London. Thank um, you. And thank you so much for having. I, I hope this, um, and, you know, I hope this engages everybody. I'm and, sure it has. Yeah. Because you've had so many amazing guests. Well, including you. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks for joining me. And I look forward to the next one. Wonderful. All right. Cheers, Bishy. Thank, thank you. Thank you, my love. <sighs> There are no secrets in the dark. There is no act that cannot be committed. In Women in Love, he crossed forbidden boundaries. In altered states, he explored the unknown powers of the mind. Now he explores the most provocative power of all. A woman lives in two worlds. A man who must lose himself to possess her. They are strangers. They are lovers. They are outlaws. But their crimes are crimes of passion. The star of Body Heat and Romancing the Stone, Kathleen Turner. Anthony Perkins creating an unforgettable role of menacing power. And introducing John Laughlin. Never before have two adults consented to so much. Crimes of passion the most talked about movie of the year. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since. What? Since I first saw drum. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. 
Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome, starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. Videodrome.